Well, happy Monday, church family. Uh, this, is for this week, we're going to go through Ezra chapter 6. And uh, to begin, I'd like to just share uh, an illustration, a story about this flight that happened in 1987. There was this consumer flight that was, uh, so be, it was traveling from Portland, Maine to Boston. And uh, there were two people flying on this plane. You know, this just huge cargo just with things in it. And, um, and uh, as they were flying this one evening, uh, they heard this clicking and knocking sound. And uh, one of the pilots, his name was Henry Dempsey, he decided to go and figure out where this noise is. So he went back while the cold pilot was flying the plane. And as he was going um, toward the back of the plane, he found out what it was. It was actually the door that was, um, wasn't was properly uh, latched on. It wasn't properly locked. So there was a, it was close enough where it didn't uh, uh, set any alarms, but uh, if anyone knocked against it, then the door will open completely, which is what exactly happened uh, as they were flying. They happened to hit a, a pocket, an air pocket, which made the plane kind of move and, and jump. And he ended up, uh, tr- like flying towards the door, knocking the door and falling out of the plane. And, uh, the co-pilot, uh, saw this red light on in the front. He said he realized that, oh, the door has opened. And usually, you know, when you, you know how those movies and the door opens and uh, all this air, like, sucks the person out. He knows that, that he knew, he knew then that was like, okay, this was, was happening. And he immediately called, uh, the people on the f- ground floor and tell them, okay, you need to send a helicopter around this area because this is, he's, he's probably somewhere. Uh, Henry Dempsey's probably somewhere in this area and he decided to quickly land this plane. And, uh, it took him about 10 minutes to finally land. And, uh, when he landed, he actually found that, uh, Henry Dempsey didn't actually, fall, he, 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 fall, he flew out of the plane, but he held on to the plane. Uh, he was able to catch, uh, this ladder that was, uh, attached to the outside of the plane. And he held on for 10 minutes uh, while going 200 miles an hour and, uh, and he was with altitude of 4,000 feet. And when he landed uh, and when they realized that he was just stuck to his ladder, eventually medical personnel had to come in. And it took several minutes for them to uh, get his grip off of this ladder. And this is the... Uh, this is this you know this, this this is a person that really endured because if he let go even for a moment, uh, he would lose his life. And I think this is a, a proper illustration for our life as well, and especially in the, in the Christian life. The Christian life is filled with trials. The Christian life is filled with turmoil and difficulty, and we're called to hold on. We're called to hold on tightly by the not with our own strength, but with the strength of the Lord. Um, God's plan and His sovereign will over all things will not be thwarted, and He's given us what we need in order to endure. We're all worshippers of Christ. We're called to be a life, and this is a lifelong journey for us as believers. Um, we are not uh, bounded or restricted by a, by a church building. In our worship, it goes beyond the actual building, and we're called as Christians to endure. To endure this this time, to continue to worship Him in light of uh, very difficult times, um, and I think we see that in this chapter. We see that uh, as as we get to through this chapter, we see how the, the people of God were endured and they were rewarded for their faithfulness. Uh, this chapter goes and share and it really shows us that God is faithful, um, and and there is an end to our suffering, an end to our trials. Um, just to summarize what's going on in the book of Esther, I mean, Esther, Ezra, recall chapter one, Cyrus gives uh, the Jews a decree to go back uh, from Babylon to Jerusalem to go rebuild the temple. 
uh, and they did. Uh, the people that wanted to go went back, and those that uh, didn't go, that stayed in Babylon, gave the res- gave enough resources to those that are journeying to go and um, and rebuild the temple. Chapter two, we see that um, all of the, the numbers of people that went, and they were able to get the priests, they're able to get uh, the right people to be able to go and worship and start over again. And uh, you recall there was 42,360 of them. They went back, they have all their um, things that they needed to, to begin the temple and the and the altar. And the chapter three, that's what happened. Chapter three, they, they finished restoring the temple uh, They and they began to sacrifice uh, to the Lord. And um, chapter four is when the uh, enemies uh, saw them making the sacrifice. And these enemies were the Samaritans. They claimed that, oh, we were, we're just like you guys. We worship the same God as you. And you uh, recall Zerubbabel and Jeshua was like, no, you're not of us. Um, you cannot be part of this. And this isn't like a childish thing, like, no, you can't play with us. Hmm. It's, it's these people were worshiping a, a, a false god or, or, or multiple gods. And they claimed to be worshiping the same god. And the Israelites were faithful. They were right in saying that they have nothing to do with them because these people were syncretists. They worshiped, they tried to mesh Yahweh with, the, with all the pagan gods. And um, as a result, these... <coughs> These adversaries got upset, so they wrote a letter to King Artaxerxes saying that these Jews are, are wicked people that are just going to start problems. And then the king um, uh, made this decree for them to not work again. Uh, verse five, uh, Chapter 5, um, Haggai and Zechariah comes and, and confronts them and encourages them with, with, with God's word. And that compelled them to continue working, to get back to work. And the reason why, and, and what they're doing wasn't, again, it wasn't going against the law, because their first decree, Cyrus's decree, is is a decree that was, was the first one. And um, when when, Ar- when King Artaxerxes got this message from these individuals, he did not know about the first decree. Uh, so um, he he just thought, okay, well these these Jews are just building on their own accord, uh, not knowing that Cyrus before him actually made um, made a law saying that they need to uh, the Jews get to rebuild their temple. And in the middle of chapter 5, uh, these adversaries come again and ask, who gives you the authority to do, do this? And they said, well, uh, the previous king, not, not our Xerxes, but the king before, Cyrus gave us a decree. And it's somewhere, and you need to go look for that document. And that's what chapter 6 is. Chapter 6 gives us the, the, the actual document. We get to see uh, what was written. Um, so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at chapter 6 now. Chapter 6, verse, verse 1. Thinking King Darius issued a decree, search what and search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. In Ikbatana, in the fortress which is in the province of Media, a scroll was found and there was written in it follows memorandum. Okay, so uh, so that uh, this place in chapter in verse two, Ikbatana, it's like it's um, it's basically a, like a like another home that the king would go and they, you know, they went to the main palace and they couldn't find it. So they went to this other palace that the king would hang out and they found, finally found the scroll there. Uh, so that's why like they weren't able to know the first decree because they, they just didn't look hard enough. And you will also even here see God's sovereign plan that he preserved this decree. This decree was just kind of, was in this other home, uh, this other royal home. And if, it, if anyone just burned that place down or, or stole the decree, then the Jews would be found as liars. There was no way for them to prove that uh, God actually gave them this, or Cyrus actually gave them this command. But by God's sovereign hand, uh, the scroll was preserved. 
Verse 3, in the first year of King Cyrus, Cyrus, the king, issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the temple, the place where sacrifices are offered, be rebuilt and let its foundation be retained. Its height being 60 cubits and its width 60 cubits, with three layers of huge stones and one layer of timber. And let the cost be paid from the royal treasury. And let the gold and silver utensils of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem, brought to Babylon, be returned and brought to their places in the temple in Jerusalem, and you shall put them in the house of God. So, uh, again, this is like looking back, they're reading this, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess we were actually supposed to help them. Uh, now, therefore, Tantani, governor of the province beyond the river, she tells and your colleagues, official of the province beyond the river, keep away from here. Leave the work on the house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Moreover, I issue a decree on concerning what you are to do with these elders of Judah in the rebuilding of this house. And the full cost is to be paid to these people from the royal treasury out of the taxes of the province beyond the river, and that without delay. So that's so this decree basically saying like because um, uh, it's actually really cool because it said these elders meaning the the leaders because remember in the, in the last chapter they asked who are the ones that that gave you the permission to do this and they wrote down the names of all the elders well this decree says like you need to uh, submit to these elders you need to give to these people let them do what they need to do verse nine of chapter six whatever is needed both the young bulls rams and lambs for a burnt offering to the god of heaven and wheat salt uh, wine and anointing oil as the priests in Jerusalem request. It is to be given to them daily without fail, and they may offer acceptable sacrifice to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. And I issue a decree that any man who violates this edict, a timber shall be drawn from his house, and he shall be impaled on it, and his house shall be made a refuse heap on account of this. Basically, uh, there's a decree that if you mess with them, uh, they will kill you. Uh, he will, and this is like um, this is kind. Of, this is actually the same kind of uh, thing that's happened in Esther as well, where uh, Haman was hung. This is kind of like that. It's not like hanging in like the gallows, not like hanged by the neck, but it's a very long pike, really long, sharp like spear from the ground that will impale a person onto it. This is the punishment for for attacking the Jews, for or stopping the Jews from building rebuilding the temple. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who attempts to change it so as to destroy this house of God in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have issued this decree that it be carried out with all diligence. So this is, they found this decree and now they realize, okay, we actually, there are actually consequences against the people of God from a secular king, uh, which again is amazing how the Lord works through um, uh, evil kings, kings that don't even worship him. Um, but yet God is God is good. We see that uh, in this first part. Verse 13. Then Tentani, the governor of the province beyond the river, Shadstar Bonez, and their colleagues carried out the decree with all diligence, just as the king Darius has sent. So it's funny because these are people who try to stop them. Now they're like, okay, wait, yeah, okay, let's do this. We don't want to be impaled. And the elders of Jews were successful in, in building through the prophecy of Haggai, the prophet Zechariah, the son of Ido, and their finished building according to the commands of the God of Israel and the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. This temple was completed on the third day of the month. It was the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. And the sons of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. Uh, 
they offered for the de- dedication of the temple of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats corresponding to the number of tribes of Israel. And then they appointed the priests to their divisions and the Levites in their order for the service of God in Jerusalem, as is written in the book of Moses. So after uh, after all of this time, they're finally able to finish the temple and they're worshiping and celebrating and offering sacrifices to the Lord. And you have to understand, in verse 13, there's 100 bulls, 200 rams, and 400 lambs. These are, this is a lot of animals. This is a lot of bloodshed. Uh, and they were given to them because of the decree that uh, Cyrus placed. Like, they give them whatever they want. And these uh, animals, they're, they're unblemished. These are, like, perfect, the best of the best. So they got all these animals, and they, and they sacrificed each and every single one for the Lord, for their sins, actually. Um, and, and it's interesting because the first thing that they do once they're able to, um, uh, once the temple is complete, is, is to offer sacrifice, atonement for their own sin, because they realize that uh, this means that they need, like the most important thing for them is to be made right with God first. Verse 19, the exiles observe the Passover on the 14th of the first month. Now, usually the Passover is is done on a specific time, uh, but this is the, actually the first time they, <coughs> excuse me, this is the first time they did a Passover in over 20 years, and they have all that they need to celebrate, so they do. They celebrate the Passover. This is the same Passover that's found in, in Exodus, uh, the one that, um, you know, where they paint the door so that the angel, the angel of God will pass over them. That's They just celebrate that because it's a remembrance of God's salvation. Uh, verse 20, For the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were pure. Then they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the exiles, both for their brothers, the priests, and for themselves. The sons of Israel who returned from exile and all those who had separated themselves from the impurity of the nations of the land to join them to seek the Lord of God ate the Passover. And they observed the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had caused them to rejoice and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to encourage them in the work of the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. See, this is, uh, again, from chapter 5 to 6, this is a span of 20 years of, of stop. Uh, this whole thing was like from stopping their work to re- to continuing their work was, was 20 years. It took them a long time to finally get to this point. And it was because of, you know, for a while, yes, they were apathetic. But then when they were confronted by the word of God, they endured. Uh, they, they, they repented of their laziness and they went back to work. And their endurance caused them uh, to be able to celebrate with, um, celebrate with one another. Um, and I, and I think that's what we need to learn this week. Uh, this week, I want it for us to meditate on, really, I want us to have a renewed worship of the Lord and, and encouragement for us in order for us to endure during these hard times before we could meet again as a whole, or even um, in a greater sense, endure so that we can be in uh, with the Lord and, and having a meal with him in order to endure not just this temporal season, but for our lifetime. I want to look at four lessons that we can look at this week. So I'll give you the outline now, but we'll walk through all four of them in the coming days. So four ways for us to endure, four lessons, four things that we need to do for us to endure to the very end. First, we need to to listen to God. Second, we need to obey God. Third, we need to worship God. And fourth, we need to trust God. And I trust that if you do these four things during not only this season, but for every season in your life until you see Christ, you will finish the race well. So I look forward to doing the study with you this week. Uh, Have a good Monday. Take care.